you this day. We praise you, we honor you, we exalt and magnify you above all others. Your name we're shouting high. Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised. You're mighty and holy and righteous, great and greatly to be praised. And we honor you this morning with thanksgiving. Give praise unto the name set above every other. Jesus, we love you this day, and we thank you that your presence is in the sanctuary, that you are manifesting, making yourself known in this place of worship this morning. You have come to be with your people, to minister to your people, to heal and deliver, to seek and to save that which is lost. We love you this day, Lord, and we give praise, honor, glory to the name of Jesus. Amen. We greet you this day in Jesus' name. This is the day the Lord has made. It's a day of salvation, and I'm excited about what I feel in the Holy Ghost already this morning. Amen. God's good to us, right? Amen all the time. Uh, you may be seated this morning. Thank you, praise team, for getting it cranked up and getting us where we need to go in our praise and worship. Thankful for our praise team. Thankful for the worshipers in here. I think the worshipers showed up this morning. Amen. Uh, people out and about and moving in the aisles and praise and worship and uh, just sounded good, looks good, and feels good. Uh, I don't want you going to those churches that tell you that's only for a Sunday night, though. Uh, we, we don't need to know that. We, we need to know that worship is for Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Friday night Bible or a Friday night prayer, whatever we're doing. Uh, so... Amen. Let me, let me say thank you to everybody that's made the effort to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I give honor to you and uh, thanksgiving to you. Amen. Anybody ever heard of Rosie the Riveter? Y'all saw that iconic picture? Amen. Woman in the workforce. Yesterday, we had woman power. We had manpower, too, but we had woman power yesterday. And you can, as soon as you drive into the parking lot, you realize there was a lot of work that was accomplished yesterday. And uh, let, me, let me tell all the, all the people in here, guys, men, boys, if you don't know how to do landscaping, if you don't know how to hold a mattock, if you don't know how to hold a shovel or a rake, I've got some women that can give you a, a 101 on how to get her done. And uh, but we had we had we had help yesterday. I want to say thank you to everyone uh, that came over and made the big mess, and uh, to all the ones that came over and cleaned the big mess up. So. Uh, uh, much, much appreciated, and we've got uh, got a vision for more, and 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 we've got a lot of, of space that needs to be paved, and, and a lot of space that needs to be turned back into a playground, and just a lot of opportunities and, and things going on. We've got plans for the sanctuary uh, to redo it, probably starting this week with painting, or next week and, and repainting everything, making it more presentable. But uh, say thank you to everybody that over the course of time has, has been faithful in your giving, tithing. We probably saved the church, I would guess, somewhere in the $3,000 range by just the landscaping that was done by you all uh, as far as the labor end of it and, and things. So uh, it all adds up, and it's much appreciated. And I'm thankful for everybody, thankful for everyone that whatever role you played, I greatly appreciate it. But... Uh, got a lot more to do and uh, hopefully in Jesus name uh, if God would look down and realize that blacktop's about the same price as paving with gold uh, no not really but uh, may need to pray that God sell a few cows he said he owns a cattle on a thousand hills we might need him to sell a few cows and uh Get, get some paving done. Our last quote on that paving project was $32,000, and uh, that didn't include the existing blacktop that's already there that needs to be redone. And this is uh, not a promo. This is a say thank you to everybody that's been participating so greatly in getting where we are. But uh, hopefully in Jesus' name, before uh, 
the summer's out, we'll be able to, to get some more paving done. We already did a lot of the work that was included into that $32,000. So hopefully the price is going to drop by maybe 10000 or so. But we'll, we'll get there, and uh, I appreciate that. Hey, young people, you are dismissed to your classes in Jesus' name. And we need some recruiters in here uh, for more young people. I know that people are getting back into the swing of things and uh, getting back to, to normal somewhat. So we need to get our young people back in here and make, re, uh, make some connections with people that uh, should be here. Amen. So let's do that in Jesus' name. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Jude. We're going to read verse 3. And this is a second lesson in our quarter of, uh, of, of discipleship on contending for the faith. And this morning's lesson title is Striving for the Faith. And we're going to look at that for a little while this morning. Amen. Jude chapter 1, is that right? Right, Jude chapter 1, and if you want to read and only have a little bit of time, read Jude, because you can read the whole book in one chapter. Jude verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the, what was it? Common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Pray with me. Father, we love you. God, we're thankful for the morning that you've shared with us. We're thankful for every family, every individual, each person that's made the effort to be here physically or the individuals that are watching. God, we're asking blessings on all, anointing on all of us, Grant us a word of life this morning. Grant us a word under the anointing of the Holy Ghost that's going to be planted in good ground and bring forth a great harvest. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name, asking your help in Jesus' name, asking your directions, Lord God, for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning, striving for the faith. Now, this faith is not faith that moves mountains. This faith is not the faith that heals the sick. This is a faith of a way we do business, the doctrine, uh, the dogma, whatever you want to call it. This is the way and the doctrine that we, we serve under. So if you look at the book of Acts, if you look at the letters written by the apostles to the churches, you understand the first church or the New Testament church had to deal with a religious concept that had been ingrained in them for thousands of years, okay? If you'll stay with me for a little while this morning, I feel like the Lord is wanting us to understand the purpose and what we're doing and how we're to do it. But if you understand the early church, the first church, the New Testament church, they were dealing with a religion that, was, that reaches all the way back to the Mosaic Law, and we understand that scripture that is a foundational scripture, not only of the Old Testament, but of the New Testament, is Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You all know the scripture. But it was ingrained in them. And they understood the Mosaic Law. They understood circumcision physically. They understood the importance of it. They understood the sign that it left. They understood what was going on around them. So this religion that they were, that had been ingrained in them, they thought it was worth killing for and dying for. When Jesus was born, we understand that John came preaching and he was preaching, believe on him which is to come. I must decrease, he must increase. I'll baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So John's preaching to believe on Jesus. And when Jesus wanted to manifest or reveal himself to the leadership of the Judaism religion, many of them were the Pharisees and they wanted to what? They wanted to kill him. So think about where the early church is, what they're contending with. The 
Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious group of the day had the Romans to carry out their desire in killing Jesus. Now, after the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, after the day of Pentecost, we find the early church or the 120 believers in a room worshiping, praising God, right? It says whenever the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one accord. They were worshiping and praising and honoring and exalting as Jesus had instructed them, go to Jerusalem, stay there until you are endued with power from on high. Speaking of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So they were in that place worshiping and praising God. You know this. Holy Ghost fell, right? And they received the baptism of the Spirit. They received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. The onlookers heard them speak with tongues and they accused them of being drunk. The apostle Peter said this is what the prophet Joel had prophesied that he would pour out of his spirit. So we look and we realize on that day, the day of Pentecost, Jesus fulfilled his promise unto them that a comforter would come or they would receive power after the Holy Ghost had came. And we find the Apostle Peter not weak in his faith, not weak in his commitment to Jesus, not willing to back up and say, I don't know him, but as they accused him of being a follower of Jesus, then he stands with all boldness, power, and authority in the name of Jesus and in the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and he preaches to them the death, burial, the resurrection. On that day, 3,000 people felt conviction and they were baptized. The Bible says, they that gladly received his word. They that gladly received the word, you got to get baptized, got baptized. 3,000 souls were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins as the Apostle Peter instructed them in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. So now the church has got to establish principles. Now the church has to establish doctrines. Now the church has to establish guidelines. And whenever they started their work outside the day of Pentecost they ran headlong into Judaism they had to deal with it they had to contend with it they had to be able to give an account for their faith the hope that lies within them they had to be able to answer questions they had to be able to stand their ground they had to be able to rest in the power of the Holy Ghost and be anointed in order to stand where they needed to stand. They counted it as an honor to be persecuted. They counted it as an honor to be able to suffer with Christ. Jude 1, 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. It's vitally important for all of us not the pastor, the preacher, the minister, the Sunday school teacher, all of us to understand this common salvation. Amen? Pastor said I need to get baptized, I'm getting baptized. Pastor said I need to seek the Holy Ghost, I'm seeking the Holy Ghost. We, we need to be able to have an understanding of this common salvation. If you need help, and I'm saying this with all sincerity, if you need help explaining, I'm not saying you don't know you need to be baptized. I'm saying if you need help explaining to other people that you're witnessing to why we need help or why we need to be baptized or why we need the Holy Ghost or why we need to repent of our sins or why we need to do this, if you need help explaining the common salvation that was presented to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 by Jesus, Nicodemus came to him. And he acknowledged the fact you have to be from God. Nobody is doing what you're doing except they are sent from God. And Jesus steps back for just a moment and said, Nicodemus, you are a ruler. You are a teacher. You have a position in the religious organization that you're affiliated with. You have a place. 
you have a voice. You've got to be born again of water and of the Spirit. Now, most people you come in contact with will accept being born again. That is a common phrase. If you need help explaining the water, which is baptism in Jesus' name, if you need help explaining the Spirit, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you need help in doing this, please let us know. Let me know. We will get you all the, I'll give you home Bible studies. I'll give you, I'll give you all the information you need because we need to be able to understand the common salvation. Nicodemus understood it. He didn't at the moment because he was thinking in the physical. He said, can I be born again by entering my mother's womb? And Jesus said, if you did that, you'd still come out flesh. Flesh begets flesh. Spirit begets spirit. So you've got to have something that's going to quicken that mortal's, that something that's going to quicken this, this human spirit and make connection. And his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we belong to him. So we look at this and we understand this morning that Nicodemus in John chapter 7, whenever, they, whenever he, he was contending with his colleagues, he said, our law says nobody can be judged except they first be tried. And then later on we find him at the tomb to embalm the body. So he was not only somebody that said, hey, I want to talk to you in private, but whenever he talked to him in private, something connected, and he showed up at the tomb after the death the burial and said, I want to embalm the body. So something about what Jesus gave to Nicodemus. So, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of, it, of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That word content, contend from Strong's Greek Hebrew dictionary is defined to struggle literally to compete for a prize, figuratively to contend with an adversary to endeavor to accomplish something, fight, labor, fervently, strive. So what the writer is saying, be willing to fight for what you believe. To be able to strive, labor, fervently, endeavor to accomplish something, contend with an adversary, to compete for a prize. And what they were dealing with in their day was Judaism. We don't deal with Judaism in our neck of the woods. They were dealing with Judaism, something that had been ingrained with them, and these people were serious about it, enough to kill you over it, enough to die over it. Acts chapter 6 Verses 1 through 4, the church had growing pains. 3,000 souls were added. Shortly after that, you see thousands more added to the church, such as should be saved. They were having growing pains. And sometimes when you're having growing pains, you have problems. Anybody ever had a problem? Churches have problems. Amen? Sometimes you're the problem. Sometimes I'm the problem. No, let's, 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 let's remove that. Uh, we're not the problem. Somebody's the problem, though. Uh, churches have problems. That's the way of life. We have problems. We're not dealing with perfect people, and if we were, we'd, we'd, we'd go home. Amen? We'd go home with Jesus. So notice this. They were having a problem. Acts chapter 6, verse 1, And in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Because their widows were neglected in the day of ministration. Got a problem here. We're being neglected. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables that's a good thought 
Amen? That's a good thought. That the preachers preach. The servers serve. The musicians play. Singers sing. Teachers teach. Right? Brother Morgan made mention of it last week. We've all got our purpose, our place. The situation is if we don't do our part, somebody has to double duty. It was a rude awakening for the Grecians because the apostles said, we're not doing it. Now, that's not what you hear from a preacher, is it? I stumped my toe. Would you please get here quickly? Well, I'm not coming. You don't, you're not supposed to hear that. The twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer to the ministry of the word. This morning, I want us to understand the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church. Why are we here on earth this year? Why did Jesus not come back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s? Why did he not come back in, in Paul's day? Why did he not come back and get those people years ago and just end the, end the day? So we look and we're realizing that we are still here we understand according to Scripture the purpose of the church is to teach and baptize, right? Is that the commission? Is that what he commanded them to do? Go teach and preach, go minister, go baptize into all nations. So the purpose is to teach and baptize the loss of this world. We need to understand this is a business, right? This is a business. We're joint laborers, right, with Christ, we're hired into a business. Amen. That's what Jesus said at a young age, at a 12-year-old. He said, I must be about my father's business. So this is a business. This is something that's not a casual, come as you are, stay as you are, do as you please. But this is a business that needs to be operated with strict guidelines for an organization to go forward, Right? And we have the guidelines right here in front of us called our Bible that gives us the instructions, the doctrines, the teachings of the apostles that we can move this thing forward in our day. We have been called as a church body, baptized into one body by the Spirit of God that we might carry on and conduct business for him until he returns as the light and salt upon the earth. That's our responsibility. Amen. That's our responsibility. That's the church. The church is not about a Sunday morning thing. You clocked in, you clocked out, go home. No, no, no. That's not the church. This is a business. This is a business. And every person sitting in this sanctuary, I don't want to get heavy this morning, but I feel it coming on. Every person sitting in this sanctuary this morning will give an account of how you conducted your life in this business. So it's not about keeping ourselves holy. It's about are we about the business too. So it's not about a strict guideline to do this or don't do that. It's about what am I doing with my time that God has allotted for me in this moment? Am I moving this thing forward? Am I doing what God's called me to do in the business? So understand that all the people out there that are lost. Now, get this in your spirit this morning. All the people out there that's lost are not thugs, rapists, murderers. When we think, well, i got to go win the loss. Well, everybody out there is not like that to teach them and preach to them. They are like that, some of them. And I, I believe a, a drug addict can be saved. I believe a rapist can be saved. I believe a, somebody that has 
lived a, a, a very horrible life can be saved. I believe that. But I also understand there are people out there, when, when the early church was dealing with people, they didn't have a problem with sinners. They had a problem with religious people. He wasn't trying... The writer here wasn't saying you're having to deal with, contend with your faith with a sinner that's telling you need to drink strong drink, smoke dope. That wasn't their problem. They were having a problem with Judaism and false religion. So sometimes when you step outside the church to do business for God, people you come in contact with may not be the person you'd say, that's a hard sinner. No, they might be a good person, a good neighbor that needs help because they're confused with false doctrine. Now, do you understand what I'm talking about? We need to learn what we know. We need to know what we need to know. We need to be continuously learning and, and rightly dividing this word. We need to be able to study to show ourselves approved. We'll, we'll look at that in a moment. But we need to be able to understand this where we can minister to one another. We can minister to those people out there that we can baptize them and teach them and move this forward in Jesus' name. Notice in verse 8, Acts chapter 6, we stopped with verse 4. Verse 8, and Stephen, he was... The first name given to us that was ordained a deacon in the list of the seven. Stephen was full of faith and power, did great wonders, miracles among the people. So he wasn't only waiting tables, but while he was waiting tables, he was ministering. He'd slap hands on you and see you, see you get healed. Amen. He preached Jesus' name to you and watch you be delivered. So he was full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia, Cilicia and of Asia, Disputing with Stephen. So it sounds like a mob. It doesn't sound like he just ran into one grandmother. But it sounds like he had a great mob of people that had come against him to debate him. You should not get frustrated if somebody wants to debate with you. Amen. Don't get frustrated. I've watched people that if you mention anything different what they believe, man, it's fight time. You shouldn't get frustrated. Know what you're supposed to know. And if you don't know it, say, I don't know, but I will get an answer. Amen. I, I read an article that said, how do you witness to an apostolic? And up front they said, they're very difficult people. They're, you can't hardly change their mind. <laughs> How do you win an apostolic? So, uh, anyway, verse 10 they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit. This wasn't James, this wasn't Paul, this wasn't Peter, this, and we're, you, you read on and you're about to be introduced to Paul. But he was standing on the other side at this point. But they were looking at a man that was called to serve tables. Now, the ministry was more than passing out bread, obviously. But we notice that he was full of faith and power to the point that they could not resist his wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. So we're not dealing with these people today. We're not dealing with this, this group that he's dealing with, the Libertines, the Cyrenians, the Alexandrians. We're not dealing with them, with the Judaism. But we are dealing with teaching that, have moved, that has moved people away from God-centered to man-centered. 
Now, that was one amen and a, you're right. Let me say that again. Maybe, maybe I can get more people on board this morning. We're not dealing with Judaism. We're dealing with a religion that has moved people from a God-centered religion to a man-centered religion. That's what we're dealing with. Doctrines that cater more to man than convict. How do we deal with that? How do we win this generation? How do we give a message? You know, whenever they were snake bitten in the Old Testament, Moses lifted up a serpent on the rod, right, on a pole, and they looked at that serpent and they were healed. You read it. Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And we understand that he was lifted, that he was on a cross. And that spirit, unless that spirit draws man, no one comes. So, so first and foremost, let me say this. People can't just march in and march out at their own pleasure. People just can't get up one morning and think, man, I think I'm going to be a Christian for about 30 minutes here. No, 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 no. The Bible says no one's coming except his spirit draw them. So here's, here's a kicker. Anytime we feel the presence of God draw us, we need to be obedient to that pulling because that, that's not guaranteed next week, next month, next year, but we need to be sensitive to what the Holy Ghost is doing. When we feel conviction from preaching, teaching, ministering, when we feel the Holy Ghost pull us to prayer, whatever it might be, we need to be active in pursuing that immediately because that's, a, that's the Holy Ghost. So as we look at this, we're dealing with people today that are struggling with the Word of God. Good people, people that love Jesus, people that, that want to do right. Notice, notice as we read on through here, verse 11, then they suborned, suborned, did I say it right? That's not a word I use every day, is it? The old King James. Then they suborned men, which said, We have heard him say or speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they hired some people. They got some people to come in and, and, and make false accusations. Verse 12, And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. Verse 13, And set up false witnesses which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. So we find Stephen was the first name mentioned in the list of the seven chosen to work in the ministry full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom. If you read, not right now, but if you read later, Acts chapter 7, it's a very interesting read, but you see that Stephen was given the opportunity to speak. So they were infuriated. They were so moved by what they heard, they were so stirred that they were, they were ready to kill him. They gave him opportunity to speak. And if you'll notice, he gave them a brief but perfect history lesson starting with Abraham. He was knowledgeable of history. He was knowledgeable of how all this came to where they were that day. So he took them all the way back to Abraham, how that he was called out how that he walked and how that he had Isaac and he worked them through Jacob and he worked them through the 12 tribes and the, the foundation or the, the 12 tribes of, that would build up the nation of Israel. He worked them through Moses, the drought. He worked them through how that Moses was drawn out of the water. It's all in there, Acts chapter 7. 
and he works them all the way through history up to this point. And whenever he gets all the way from the idol worship of, of Aaron and all the way through the building of the Solomon's temple, he begins to present to them Jesus Christ. They were good with church history, but they were at a sticking point with Jesus Christ. And we understand that Jesus came to his own, his own received him not. But for Stephen, he received him and he gave him power to become a son. And now this son's standing and he's testifying and he's ministering. As we look at the way he presented this, if you read Acts chapter 7, it will help you understand why the Apostle Paul said for us to study. Amen? You don't want to be on a curbside somewhere and be lost for information when somebody wants to debate with you. Amen? That always drove me crazy. Uh, of somebody asking me a question of something I believe and I say well I believe it but I have no answer for it come on we need to have an answer everyone in here needs to have an answer now we might not have all the answers don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying but, but we can't always just say that's what the church teaches that's what the church believes we need to know what we and why we believe here's what, what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy Verse 15 of chapter 2, he said, Study to show thyself approved unto God. That's your obligation. That's my obligation. That's your obligation. I will tell you this. If you'll become a Sunday school teacher, if you'll become a Bible study teacher, it will force you to study. If you only study on your leisure, you might not study properly. But if you are forced... When I was very young in this, just gotten into church, hadn't been in church too long, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, my workforce was, was limited and low, and they asked me, will you teach a Sunday school class? And I said, yes. So I started teaching uh, the preteens, whatever age group that was at that time. Every Sunday morning. I was in that class to teach preteens, and I started teaching Bible studies. And I remember sitting in Sister Patterson's floor with a whole group of young people that's all grown up now, teaching them Bible studies and, and just working through that. But I was forced to study. Even if I'm, I'm studying on a level of, of, of 10-year-olds, I was still forced to study. You need something that's going to force you in to study whether you're teaching a home Bible study to a co-worker, to a family member, whatever it might be, study to show yourself approved. This is the word of God for all of us. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have so much material based on truth. Now, there's a lot of material out there that I would advise you not to study. But there's so much material right now that's, that's given to us. It's in our hands. And some of the Bible studies, you don't have to study. You can just read them. And, and it teaches you all the way through the plan of salvation, a common salvation. Vitally important for us all to grow in our relationship with God by understanding the word. What is the purpose of the church? Y'all with me? So the... Direction the Apostle Paul gave to a pastor, his son in the Lord, Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Shun profane, vain babblings. Now that's a key for all of us to understand. If people come up with ignorance, he said don't address it. If they're asking you if God can do anything, could he pick a rock or make a rock so big he couldn't pick it up? Well, that's, that's silliness. There's no reason to even engage in, in things. I've had people ask me questions, and they were just wanting to pick a fight. I'm not in the mood to fight, so uh, there you go. I'm not going to wrestle with it. I'm going to let them be. Uh, Paul said, I will not have you ignorant. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave them in their ignorance. Uh, amen? So. For they will increase unto more ungodliness. Verse 17, And their word will eat as doeth a canker 
of whom Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, overthrow the faith of some. All right, going back to the word. Stephen's dealing with this group of people that's accused him of blasphemy against the Mosaic law and against their temple and against their religion. He shifts. He had a face of an angel. He gave him church history. He brought them all the way up to the birth, the death, burial, the resurrection. He brought them all the way to where they were. And it shifts. Notice verse 51. You stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. So he reaches now into that power of the Holy Ghost. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost come on you. Now, let me qualify this. He's dealing with a people that's angry with him that are not newcomers, that are not sincere about wanting to have knowledge. You understand where I'm coming from? If somebody comes up to you at work and says, hey, what about your religion? I don't, I don't believe in that Holy Ghost. You, you don't have to bring out the, the stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do all. Now, that's not always necessary. You don't always have to have a sledgehammer to hang a picture on the wall, Okay. Uh, so be cautious, be cautious of your audience. Stephen said, I'm, I gave you all this church history, now I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting, <laughs> it's about lunchtime, so let's just talk. Uh, uh, let's bring it down to a, to a close here. He said, you're stiff-necked, you're uncircumcised in heart and ears, and you, you, you always resist the Holy Ghost. Now, if, if we, we're just honest, and it's just us and the world, uh, how many people do you know sitting in pews today that are good people, people that love you and people that love you love them, but yet if you came down to the understanding of what's being said, they resist the Holy Ghost? Amen? They resist the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they've been taught the Holy Ghost is not for the church today. It was for the apostles on that day. That talking in tongues. I'm not talking about the Holy Ghost. Here, here, let's get into a little doctrine here. Here's the deal. If you can believe in three persons, then you can receive one without the other two. Because it's three separate persons. So therefore, you can receive the Spirit of Jesus into your heart because you believed on Him and confessed Him as your Savior and leave the Holy Ghost part out because that's the third person, right? But if you get down to the understanding of doctrine in Scripture and you understand there, according to the Bible, from Old Testament to New Testament, there's one Spirit and one God, then if we understand the scripture throughout the New Testament, when they received the Holy Ghost, they received it with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. How many do you know that resist the Holy Ghost? That's our job as a church. We didn't come to condemn the world, but our message needs to bring knowledge, understanding, revelation, and conviction. And that's what the Apostle Paul did, not the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Peter did on the day of Pentecost. He preached the death, burial, resurrection, knowledge. He did it with power that he received on the day of Pentecost. And that Holy Ghost began to pull hearts that gladly received it, and conviction fell, and they said, what must we do? And that's when you have Acts 2.38, when, when Peter connected the John chapter 3 born again of water and of the Spirit, the Apostle Peter pulls that back to the forefront and said, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus 
Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for it is a promise unto you, to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So for the pastor that says the Holy Ghost is not for us today, have they not been called? I'm not going to meddle. I'm not getting into this. But it says it's for the children and for all that are afar off, even as many as God calls. It's the Holy Ghost. All right, as we work through this, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do you. So it was a family tradition, a generational thing. And I can, I can promise you today, that's what we're dealing with, is a family tradition. Amen. I'm, I was preaching one, one evening as I preach now. I don't label. I don't bash. I hope I don't. I don't throw stones. I don't use whips. Somebody got with me. Said my grandfather would jump this high off the floor. You telling me he didn't go to heaven? And I'm thinking, hey, I'm not a judge at all. God never asked me, Audie, what do you think? In or out? Should we let him in or should we kick him out? He's never asked me that. I'm not a judge. I can't tell anybody where they went. That's up to God. I can, I can give you word. One minister was ministering, and he, re- he, he was just reading. He read across Acts chapter 2 where you need to be baptized, where you must be baptized in the name of Jesus. Somebody got with him immediately after service said, you're, you're telling me I have to be baptized in Jesus' name? He said, I'm not telling you anything. And he reread the scripture. And he came back, and he said, no, you're telling me I have to be baptized in Jesus' name? He said, I'm not telling you anything. He reread the scripture. He did that about three times, and that guy said, I think I need to get baptized. Amen. So it's not about me telling anybody anything. What does thus saith the Lord? And that's what is the foundation for all of our relationships with God. But Stephen said, this is, this is coming from your daddy and his daddy and his daddy, right? All the way back to the prophets because he said, you all kill the prophets. It was your family tree that's caused this problem. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. And that was the nail that drove it home. Amen. That's, that, that did it in for him right there. Striving for the faith. Now, we're not going to get nearly finished with all the material that's presented today, but uh, we see he didn't pull any punches. And the apostle said we need to contend for the faith. And I'll, I'll remind you, be cautious in ministering and contending for the faith on who you're dealing with. Uh, be all long-suffering and gentle and kind and merciful and realize this, this word is a double-edged sword. But at the same time, we can't back up. Amen. At, we can't back up. Uh, uh, we can't bow in and give in to the thought, let's all come together Let's just, let's just all get together and, and, and be one big family. Uh, Barney said, I love you and you love me, and uh, that's good. Amen? I've made mention of it before, and I'll mention it again this morning, but I was listening to Brother Paul Mooney from Calvary in Indianapolis, and he had a radio program, as we have a radio program, and he said that as he was ministering, uh, someone called him and asked him if he would be willing to meet with an individual. Uh, it was a secretary of this gentleman, and he wanted to have lunch with Brother Mooney. And uh, he said, yes, I will. And he said he did some research after that, after he hung up, to find out who this guy was. And he was a very high-ranking gentleman in 
world religion, and he held a, a very high position in that organization. It met all over the world with world religions and coming together uh, with a ecumenical type gathering of all religions coming together as one and, and uh, tolerating, I guess, each other. So he said that he went to the meeting and he said he sat down with that gentleman and that gentleman asked him, said, do you believe what you teach? And he said, yes, I do. And he said, do you believe it enough to die for it? And he said, well, I think I do. I think that it's been a while since I heard him give that uh, preach that message, but I, I think he, to my knowledge, he said, I think I do. I, I, I believe I'll believe this enough to die for it, and I don't think any of us in here uh, would know absolute without being faced with that, but I believe that most everybody here today probably, you believe this message enough, and you would, uh, you would have enough Holy Ghost power to die for it. I believe that. I believe I would have enough Holy Ghost anointing that I would not back up, uh, that I, I would stay the course, but I don't know that. Uh, I'm just thinking. So he told the gentleman, he said, I Yes, I, I believe this, and yes, I believe I would die for it. And he said, you, you may someday have to do that. He said, when we gather all over the world, he said, one of the first things that come up whenever we're talking about bringing everybody together is what are we going to do with those oneness? Right? What are we going to do with the oneness? Because it's hard to deal with an apostolic. Amen? It's, hard, it's hard, to, hard to bring them around to thinking any other thing than what has been revealed to them. So uh, Stephen stands here as one man against a mob, one man against many, and he said, he said, I want you to know I brought you through church history, but now let's just get down to the nitty-gritty of it. He said, you're stiff-necked. He said, you're resisting the Holy Ghost just like your fathers did at Kill the Prophets. You're doing this today. Angels brought you this message, and you've resisted it. And they picked up stones, and they killed him. And he came with this revelation at the end of it. He said, I, I see the heavens open, and I see the sun. I see Jesus, right, standing on the right hand of God. Now, he's not seeing three persons here, so don't misunderstand what he's doing. He's giving them a revelation of that position of the one that they killed. God is a spirit. He has no right hand. He has no left hand. So we're not talking about one God standing beside another God. That's, that's, not, that's not biblically sound, so that's not what he's stating. But he stated as the dove came down for John, when John saw that spirit come down and the one that it rest upon, that's the one. It was a sign from God to John when the dove came down and lit on Jesus that he is the one. So when Stephen's preaching, he's saying, this is the one. I see him in the heavens. And when we get to heaven, we're going to see Jesus. So as we look at this, we realize that he's giving them confirmation. Now here's the, here's the deal. I'm going to close with this. Jesus is the, in the buying and selling business. And he, he can bring one up and bring another one down. But he's got a master plan for all of it. So Stephen's standing here with a face of an angel and then you've got one standing over here that's in a high position very influential influential very important holding coats right holding coats by the name of Saul and we're about to be introduced to a young man by the name of Saul he's standing there holding coats and he's watching Stephen full of power, full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom. And he stands there like a cross tie, not backing up, not backing down, not weak, but he said, you're stiff-necked, you kill the prophets, your dad killed the prophets, you've resisted the Holy Ghost. And they picked up stones, and they began to throw them, and at his death, he said, forgive them. God is willing to allow Stephen to be stoned, but he's working on the heart of a young man by the name of Saul. And you'll see that same character. You'll see that same determination. You'll see that same anointing, that same authority, that same power rise up in Saul. 
whenever he meets Jesus and he said, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. He said, what will you have me to do? And whenever he steps in and that, that hand of Ananias lays upon him and that scales fall off of his eyes and he receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost and he hasn't ate, but he goes immediately and is baptized according to Scripture in Jesus' name, calling on the name of the Lord. So we find him now going and he's meeting with Jesus and he's called up into the third heaven and he sees things that cannot be talked about and hears things that he cannot mention, but he's getting this revelation of, of who Jesus is. And he said, I'm persuaded he loves me. I'm the chief of sinners. I persecuted the church but I know there is a crown laid up for me and for me not only me but to everyone he's calling out now and he's standing in that gap and he's encouraging people even in a prison that maybe he's threw people in before he's now in that prison and he said contend for the faith stay the course Timothy study to show yourself approved don't back up and don't back down. What an honor it is to suffer with Christ. What an honor it is to give unto him as a sacrifice. Every ounce of energy, everything that we have. He said, all the accolades that I've acquired over the course of the years, I count them as waste that I might know him. I'm asking you this morning, where are you in your commitment to Jesus Christ? Because as a business owner, we see the parable of the talents that eventually the owner came back and said, let's tally up. Let's tally up. Let's give an account. Let's see where you are. And the one that hid what was given to him instead of investing he took that from him and gave it to the one that had the most. Amen. Where are we as individuals? We're going forward as a church. Where are we as individuals? I will tell you this in closing, if I could get a musician to come. I will tell you this in closing. There will be a day that absolutely nothing matters but what you've done for the kingdom. You can be envied by the world. You can be envied by your neighborhood. You can be envied by your co-worker. You can be envied by all the people for all the things you've acquired, the knowledge you've gotten, the degrees you have, the money you've got in the bank, the cars you drive, the boats you ride in, whatever it might be. You can be envied by the world, but there's, there will be a day when nothing matters. Let me, let me say this again. There will be a day when nothing matters but what you've done for the kingdom. Teaching a, a five-year-old in a Sunday school class will be more valuable than a law degree at Harvard one day. Amen? Doing something for the kingdom of God will make more, be more valuable than all the money you could ever acquire here on earth. Because that's, that's what's going to make the difference when God said, let's tally up. God, I made a $5 million by following Warren Buffett's plan for success. That's good, but what have you done for my kingdom? Got to put all my children through college, and they are all lawyers, and they're all doctors, and they're all whatever it might be that's making bukus of money. But what have they done for my kingdom? What have you done for my kingdom? Amen. What am I saying? Let's get busy about the business. If it's on a scale where nobody is ever going to know your name, if it's on a scale where nobody's going to see, there was things that went on even after we left last night, there were more people come and did more things and beautified, made everything, and nobody might not be shouting that. But I'm telling you, he said, if you give a cup of water, he said, I noticed it, and I'll repay you. It don't have to be on a scale of Mother Teresa. You don't have to go to Calcutta. You don't have to have one suit and that's all you've got and you've given everything else to the world, to the poor. But I'm saying let's do something for the kingdom of God. Let's make a difference.
Amen. Let's make a difference together in Jesus' name. Let's make a difference together in Arthur. Let's make a difference together in our community. Let's make a difference in the soul of one person. Let's make a difference in the life of one individual and continue that into eternity. Stand with me this morning. I'm asking in Jesus' name. that you pray through and say, God, what do you have me to do? And I know we got busy people. We got busy people in here. I understand. Let's be busy together in harmony, in balance. Let's be busy together in the kingdom of God and see something wonderful take place, power take place, callings be given out, anointings be given out, authorities be given out, working together in unity. Let's pray together. I want us to come this morning and I want us to spend a little bit of time in Jesus. A little bit of time with Jesus in prayer. Could you do that this morning?